This is Claire Peppers coming to you with the first episode of the African Tangent. In this episode, I'm going to give you the main, the three main events that I think that defined African American history. And this is going to be like an African American experience episode. And I'm basically going to give not too much of an organized um, episode, but just a couple things that I, you know, think are the most defining eras in African-American history. And what I'm going to start with first is slavery in North America. I'm going to give a couple main points about that, and then I'm going to move on to the next topic. Okay, slavery in North America. I like to ask myself, what did slavery look like in North America? And slavery was basically... A chance for European colonizers, like an act of, you know, a way out of poverty. And I, because they came to Africa, they invaded Africa. And of course, we know this story, you know, they got on the ships and they basically brought Africans um, to North America. Now, North America is not the only place that slaves were dropped at. Not the only place where there were enslaved black people. Um... But for this sake, I'm just going to talk about black Americans. Black Americans were enslaved here um, for over 400 years. And some of the things that happened to them were they were stripped of their human rights. They were beaten. A lot of the women were raped. They were, a lot of them were uneducated. And a lot of them had horrible slave masters. And, you know, a lot of them picked cotton, you know, um, it also brought, um, very much division between, um, different slave workers. Cause you know, you had your, um, slaves in the house, you had your slaves outside and you also had those, um, you know, mammies and just a basic view of what slavery may have looked like in, in that sort of sense. Now, um, I also think that slavery was just more than, you know, um, black Americans getting beaten, stripped of their human rights. Um, it, it was, it was more than that. Um, you can't go, you know, over 400 years without any changes, any, um, rebellions, any, um, any other things, you know, other than just the, the basic idea that we get of slavery in North America. Um, one thing I want to talk about is how, you know, a lot of, it's a lot of controversy on how, you know, uh, black people were enslaved for 400 years and they kind of just sat there and did anything. Well, I, I just like to think that that's kind of not like, um, complete logic just because who can just sit and take you know, that over for 400 years, if if you're, if you're getting away, you know, like evidence and, and just thinking of common sense, that's just, that's just not logical. Um, but a lot of that, you know, made it so for them to be enslaved for over 400 years, because it was a lot of laws that were put into place to where, you know, um, enslaved people, you know, were kind of in a bind into where they couldn't get out of the enslavement. Like, um, a couple laws that kind of stood out to me was that um, enslavement was based on the mother. 
and based on if she was enslaved. So basically, if the mother was enslaved, it determined how long the child would be enslaved or it determined if the child was going to be enslaved or not. And it was only on the mother. Also, um, another law that kind of stood out to me um, was that, you know, when they first came to um, North America in 1619, um, and then later on, there were made distinctions because it was also enslaved black Americans, and then you also had your white indentured servants, but um, to where, you know, masters still had um, people being armed, you know, for safety, for, you know, going out to get certain things, um, cooking and um, picking cotton or just, just going out on, you know, their daily things. But black people weren't able to protect themselves. They weren't able to be um, armed. Um, a lot of them weren't able to be in a certain location for over four hours. Um, and just to see how a lot of those laws took place and kind of um, held them back. From doing certain things. Um, also. One of the laws that stood out to me as well. And this is more on. You know the slave master side was. There was no punishment given if a slave dies. So basically. It, it was. It was kind of being. They were kind of being more mistreated. Because you know they could basically kill slaves. They could do rape them. Do anything to them. And there would be no punishment. No punishment. And it's kind of funny how, well, not funny, but it's kind of like um, ironic how it's not just black Americans, um, you know, have to abide by these laws and do certain things. A lot of these laws uh, apply to, you know, Indian people back then or what they called Indians. And, um, and it, it applied to them as well. Also, another law that um, that I thought that kind of, you know, goes past because each of these laws was set up by different years. So if you think about it, the more slaves were enslaved black Americans, they got on in life. It was more laws put to restrict them from doing certain things because you can't restrict the person from doing something unless the person has already tried or conquered or was able to do certain things. So one, once enslaved people knew that they could maneuver and go through things and do certain things a different way, white Americans had to put a stop to that. So one thing was they couldn't own land, they couldn't own livestock. So that kind of also, you know, once they got to one place, one place, they get to more places, it just more laws was packed on and packed on to where they couldn't couldn't even do that. And then um, skip forward a little bit. I'm kind of going to jump forward just a couple things that I think um, while this was a, a big event is because the more years went on, went on, you see that Abraham Lincoln comes out with the Emancipation Proclamation. Now, if you you were in high school or middle school, everybody told you that the Emancipation Proclamation actually freed a lot of slaves. And that just wasn't the case. It only freed um, maybe 50,000 enslaved black Americans um, when there was million and millions of enslaved black Americans. And um, 
and it was it was very much restrictions on that. Like I said, there's so many restrictions and laws that they don't tell you about, and they don't they don't really. Um, it's not really put on the forefront and it's kind of made to seem like everything was kind of peaches and cream, but it really wasn't. And one of the things that, um, I thought that like, it goes back to what I said, if you're, um, I remember there was a law saying about your grandparents were, was still enslaved, then you couldn't, you know, get out of that. Or if your mother was enslaved, then you still have to be, um, um, an enslaved human being. Um, all of those laws kind of, um, went back or to people who didn't just couldn't find a way because yes, you could give someone their freedom, but there's still a, a, a enslaved person or a black free person in the South. So that, um, that would like deem them dangerous, you know, being out because they could be beaten. They could be captured. They could have been so, so many stuff. So it's kind of hard to live also being a free human being. It's, it's kind of, the the word free is kind of in quotations because are you really free if you think about it in those times <clears throat> and i think that's all i'm going to touch on about um slavery in um north america i just think that that's um a big era in um north american history and african american history and i think that's just a, a big way of showing how it how that system and that way of thinking could could push for more things decades and decades after because really slavery was the the was the point was the was the building block for building blocks for more things to happen later on the next thing that i'm going to touch on is um jim crow laws and what Jim Crow was. And basically Jim Crow laws enforced racial segregation and um in the southern states mainly. And um those laws basically, you know, Jim Crow was around from like 1877 to the 1960s and those were the laws that said um basically the the white and black um um the white and black water fountains you know it couldn't uh black people was basically inferior to um you know white people were basically superior to blacks and it was it was so many laws that went into that went into Jim Crow laws like um just giving a, a good example of certain things like in the Hidden Figures movie, if you've never seen Hidden Figures, um, the the main three characters in the movie had to go all the way to the bottom of the stairs and go into the black woman's black woman's um, restroom, or they have to sit at the at the black people's table. And that's that's just kind of some things that you know that that wasn't too too long ago, and we still implemented those. Um, we're still implementing Jim Crow laws way into the 1960s. Also, Jim Crow laws also stated that um, if you were... Jim Crow laws also applied to some white people as well because a lot of it basically said that white people couldn't, you know, marry any black people. They couldn't hold their hands. They couldn't... 
um, do certain things of those such. And I'm just going to read you out a couple of laws that I think that kind of stood out to me the most. And basically it says um, a black male cannot offer his hand to shake hands with the white male because it implied being socially equal. Obviously, a black male cannot offer his hand or any other part of his body to a white woman because he risks being accused of rape. And just like um, what happened to Emmett Till, they supposedly said, well, alleged him to whistle at a white woman and he was beat up. He was beaten till he died. By some white man. And then later on. It seemed that the lady. Who actually. Um, said that he whistled at her. Actually it, it came up to be. Different different stories. But basically came around to the point. Where it actually didn't happen. But even. even You can just see with, with that. Example. What could happen to you. Even if you. Whistled at a white woman. Or. Or shook hands with a white male. Being a black male. If they saw that, that's dangerous. So something so little as a handshake. Also, another one says, Blacks and whites were not supposed to eat together. If they did not eat together, whites were supposed to be served first and some sort of partition was to be placed between them. So that's basically saying you either... White men or white women or white people in general had to be served before the black person. Or they couldn't just eat in the same place anyway. Or I like this good example that I heard in my African American experience class where um, the white people could go into the front entrance. But if you were black, you have to go to the back entrance. And this was a big, big time. The, the Jim Crow era and the Jim Crow laws really, really changed because it actually set to where it was a lot of cases um, with segregation. Like segregation was a big thing in the 1960s and even went on to later where even if you went to a school with a white person that, you know, people didn't want you going there. Look at Ruby Bridges. She was just a little black girl and the entire school decided not to go to their school just because of one little black girl decided to go, decided to integrate into that classroom. One little black girl. One little black girl. And, it, and, it, and it's kind of like one thing after another. This era really, it really changed the minds of some people. It really did because just being, it shows you just being, just having black skin, just having black and brown skin is really dangerous. Like it, it really scares people for some reason. Even if you're just trying to get an education, it's, you know, something's wrong with that. And I'm going to give you a couple more laws that I'm going to um, throw out there. It says, if a black person rode in a car driven by a white person, the black person sat in the back seat or the back of the trunk. So you can't even ride in cars. You can't even go a place. Say if you're in college, because there was a lot of, you know, of course, um, um, Black men going to PWIs, of course, you have to, you know, um, be in an environment with white people. And, of course, not, you know, not all white people back then were bad. I'm, that's just that's just not, you know, a fact. And so even even if you and that even deemed it dangerous for the white person driving in the car with the black person. 
So that was even dangerous then. And it's kind of like, and it, and it flashes back to present day when you just, um, the same things, like history kind of repeats itself. And that's why each one of these eras that I'm going to go through, it, it turns back to present day because some of these things, it goes hand in hand on what's happening in present day. It's just in a in a modern sense. And I think the last one I'm going to um, read you off is white motorists had the right of way at all intersections. So basically they're saying, you know, screw, screw the laws, screw what's put in place. If you're a white motorist, you go first regardless. You know, screw what's right, screw safety, and it's and and, and it's like like now they teach people to uh, abide by the laws, um, do what you need to do to be safe, um, uh, know the know the uh, rules of the road, and something so small like that, just because of the color of your skin, you can't even drive <laughs> correctly. And, and and that's just it goes back to teachings it goes back to um court system it goes back to the way we go to school and it, and it's just all history repeating itself and that's one reason why i think that that's a big era in african-american history and the last one that i'm gonna touch on is um the black power movement Slash, I'm going to talk about um, Black Panthers as well, but it's just the Black Power Movement, and I and I think this is um, one of my favorites because if you know if I was in um, if I was born during this time, I would probably be you know in the Black Power Movement. So basically, the Black Power Movement was. Um, it was a movement, um, you know, kind of the first person that can't come to mind when I think about the black power movement is Stokely Carmichael. And the reason why I say that is because he basically set the tone for the black um, power movement. Um, he did many traditions and different speeches um, going towards the black power movement. And that kind of started the way. Uh, going towards the Black Panther movement for self-defense. And I love to say the Black Power movement for self-defense because when you just say Black Panthers, um, this kind of deems them as dangerous when you take away for self-defense because the Black Panther movement was for self-defense and it was um, to protect um, our black communities. It was to protect our black communities from police. It was also to feed our communities. It was to help our youth communities. It was basically to protect black people from police brutality because around that time it was many, um, instances of, pol- instances, my bad, sorry, of police brutality happening. Um, different things were going around with the freedom rides or, or leading up to this point. And so the Black Panther movement for self-defense was a really um, great way of showing that, you know, 
black people can um, stand together and we can um, do great things. And it was kind of like, to me, it was basically a shift in, in the era 20 years later. Because where you have segregation, um, where you have... Um, where you have segregation, where you have slavery, you have this shift and you see, you know, we're not waiting on people to stand up and say something. We're trying to go at it now. We're trying to start it now. And and you see that, you know, we're, we're acting like we're not scared. Like the Black Panther movement literally was armed. And that's also what made the police and the FBI um, kind of scared. In, in my defense, I think it's I like to call it like scared or, you know, they saw good things happening in the black community. And most most people, when you think of um, back then, um, armed black people, you want to call them thugs. You want to deem them uneducated. You want to deem them dangerous. But they were actually there to protect the communities. With that being said, um, they they fought back. And that's one of the things that the FBI and the police just didn't like. Um, they wanted us to be consistent and, you know, kind of like um, taken aback and kind of like wanted everything to, to be steady. But no, the Black Panthers said, no, we're fighting for pride. We're fighting for peace. We're fighting. Um, we're fighting for um, equality. We, we're fighting for our people. We need um, great things. And, you know, the FBI didn't like that. They didn't even like that seeing that um, when the uh, Black Panther mo- uh, movement, they would um, help the youth out with um, different programs they would have, you know, for tutoring. They didn't like that because, you know, it was thriving back then. And um, um, two people, um, two big people that started the Black Panther movement, uh, two of the founders, um, Huey P. Newton and um, Bobby uh, Seale, um, they were, <laughs> like, deemed very dangerous. Um, and I, sometimes I kind of... I kind of get taken back a little bit because I want to think about, like, what's so dangerous about protecting your community, um, making sure that um, black people can vote. They can uh, go to the polls and be registered. And that's one of the things. Some of the Black Panthers, they would stand out with guns at voter registration polls because they, they knew what would happen. And the FBI didn't like that. So all of this led to big shootouts. Like huge shootouts between the FBI, the police, and the Black Panthers, and so many people were killed um, for our people now, and that's kind of like um, it's kind of like with the movement that's going on now. Um, I think there's going to be a shift, this type of shift again in in history, and you can kind of see the shift with the Black uh, Lives Matter movement and things of that nature, but. Um, just back then, I just think this was kind of like a big peak in, um, the modern civil rights movement. And I think that this was a a good, a good shift between the first two topics that I said, because, you know, you, you go through 400 years of, of doing this and then boom, you come to the end of the 1960s, all the way up into the seventies. And even to the early nineties, people were still doing, um, Black Panther stuff, you know, even, even now, but, um, 
unfortunately it did come to an end just because it was it was just a high volume of shootouts and you know a high volume of people getting killed and kind of being killed off but i don't think the legacy of the the black panthers will will, will ever die out and with that being said um this is the end of the first episode to the african tangent um Thank you all for listening. Um, listen to me babble along about these things. But these are basically why I I think these are the the, the biggest eras in African American history here in North America. Um, tune in for the next episode. Thank you so much.